great because we love Jesus, right? Like, this is why we're here, and this is the kind of the message that Pastor Paul wanted me to bring for those of you that have been with us for the last few weeks. A summer series on Jesus. How sweet is that, right? It's like, it's like this should be our sermon series for the last 2,000 years of our church, right? It's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, I was honored when Paul asked me to fill in uh, and preach a message on Jesus. Uh, it's a big topic, right? <laughs> but it's quite a boiling down process that took place because I wanted to bring you a message. And I also wanted to bring, bring you a message uh, that's, that I can also honor my boss. Because my boss, Pastor Paul, asked me to fill in. And uh, a few weeks ago, he gave me a nice book by Andy Stanley, great preacher. And it was about how to communicate effectively through a sermon. So I hope he's trying to tell me something. But I received it. I think it's a, it was a great book. Uh, it's called Communicating for a Change. If you haven't read it and, you're, and you feel called to, to speak to people in, in large groups about what God's done in your life, it's, a, it's just a great read. It's a, it's a great read anyway. Um, so that's my little commercial for Eddie Stanley. Uh, I'm looking forward to going back to school. I don't know, there's no kids in here, right? We let all the kids out. I like it. None of the young people, like the people that I work with in the high school are here. So I can just say how happy I am that back to school is only two weeks and two days away, right? Because I'm a father of three children. I have a 10-year-old, a seven-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-year-old. And so summer has just been this constant kind of juggling act on the go of, of, okay, so where's child A and child B and child C? That's what we call them, right? We just kept it simple with the names. It's your A, your B, your C. It's like, where are they today? Where are they this week? You know, they had a week of Medina and then a couple of weeks of the monarch camp. And my son was doing this and the, the babies at the sitter. And, and all this while, me trying to get the, the work of three jobs that I hold down done. And uh, it's just been a wild summer. So I'm looking forward to that regularity, that back to school. And I'm excited about what the fall holds as far as ministry here at Lakeside. I'm really excited to hear about this Monday men's group. Um, if you're not involved in a, in a small group and, and you are a man, uh, I mean, we definitely check that, out, check that out if I were you. I'm looking forward to getting these young people back into their regular routines, right? Because summer's a crazy time when you're a young person. It's like every every day is either the weekend or every day is a work day, right? Because a lot of these kids are working five days a week, so they're working 40 hours a week. So it's, um, you know, we have youth events and so-and-so can't, can't come because they're working and, uh, and somebody else is visiting family. And we've had uh, three kids that have been serving in camps. One, two, did I forget somebody? One, two. I think it's three, three, four, well, three for now. They're not here anyway, so they can't say, hey, you forgot about me. But uh, it's great to watch these young people grow in their faith. And it was so nice that, that Mark just touched on the, the baptisms that we had leading into the summer. Because I know what it meant to those two young people uh, to stand up here and give their testimony uh, for what Jesus has done in their life. And uh, not to give anything away, but that's just the beginning. We want to have more and more young people coming to this Coming to this tank right here, we're going to have so many young people here, I think we might even have to put in the budget that we put one of the new liner in there, right? Does it, any elders, elders, elders? Yeah. Let's put a new liner in there. That would be awesome. Um, it was kind of grimy when I was in there last night. But anyway, um, special anniversary for me this week. Uh, on August 28th of this week, it will be 10 years since I took the plunge myself. Yeah, so I'm a convert to Christ. All right, so I didn't grow up in the, in the faith or anything. I came came to faith late in my life and was baptized 10 years ago in Lake Deshaiba, Wigamog, at, uh, at the home of, of good friends and former members here, Steve and Mary Wilcox. And, uh, you know, you get, it's time to reminisce, right? It's time to look back and say, what has the last 10 years brought? 
I can see all these areas where God has been bringing me through uh, things like addiction and, uh, and getting victory in those areas. And, and the good news is in my life is that God's still working on things that he needs to work in, right? And still has to perfect because we are, we are perfected in Christ, but we're still being perfected. And so I like that idea that we still have this journey to go on. And so when I get together with the kids and we talk about what Jesus is doing, it's not just for me to share into their life. It's for, for, for God to work through his Holy Spirit. So we're all getting something out of this. And I must admit, those of you that know me, I've been told that sometimes it, it seems like I have a chip on my shoulder at times. And I will say I do have a chip on my shoulder when it comes to sharing Jesus with people. And here's the reason why. Um, apart from a few tracts that somebody read, some random person just walked up to me when I was working at a gas station when I was 16. You know those tracts that are like cartoons and it says, what will happen if you die tonight? And it tells you the story of Johnny. And Johnny is a bad boy and he doesn't know Jesus. And, and that was the only connection to any sort of, any sort of uh, idea that somebody was coming in and telling me about who Jesus was. What's worse is some people have even written me off. I don't know if anyone's ever been written off or marginalized or uh, overlooked. But uh, when I was in university, I found out 10 years after I was in university that there was a guy there who, who actually went on to seminary and went on to get his own church down in North Carolina, a uh, Harvest Bible Chapel plant. And I reconnected with him after uh, 10 years of not having any contact with him. I found him via you know, the internet, right? And uh, I called him down at his church in North Carolina. I said, hey, it's Nick Adams. And guess what? I'm a Christian. And he said, what? He said, can you, uh, can you give me a number I can call you back at? And so I gave him my number and I waited and he called me back and he said, so this is legit? You really are a Christian? I said, yeah, man, I'm excited about it. And he said, you know what, if anybody that I knew in university, he said, you would have been the last person that I would have expected to come to Christ. And uh, that puts a bit of a chip on my shoulder, right? Because I think back to all the times that we share together, you know, just playing video games, whatever, in the dorm room or sharing meals together. Never once told me about Jesus and this power that's available through calling on the name of Jesus. And I've been written off at other times in my life. I remember in 1989, I made my first visit to England to see all those relatives I'd never met before. And I met my mother's great auntie Barbara, a wonderful uh, church, church lady. And uh, she looked at me quite plainly and said, you must be the failure of the family. Isn't that a nice introduction, right? And I think for years, maybe I owned that, right? I, I thought that was my place. Maybe I was the failure of the family. And then you get to know Jesus, and you find out that all these things that people might have been telling you over the years, they just aren't true. That's not who I am in Christ, right? Um, <laughs> a teacher in high school said, I was going to end up sweeping the hallways. That's all I would be good for, is sweeping the hallways of the school. That's a pretty good job, I think. But anyway, but, um, but this idea that uh, somebody could be refused... The good news of Jesus, it's, uh, it's really something, right? And it's something that I still deal with. And again, like I'm being perfected still, right? I, I run a drop-in center over here in, in Halliburton. And if you haven't been by the rec room at 50 York Street, drop by sometime. It's, it's even open to you people as well. <laughs> um, but I work with people who are in all different stages of brokenness, right? So it's great because I'm still in a stage of brokenness myself in a lot of ways, right? But I interact with all these people. 
and there's this woman I've been working with for two years. And I say working with because I've kind of been helping her in different areas of her life, right? She needed to have this, this specific need. I would connect her with this specific resource and allow that person to help her. Um, she was a tenant in the building that I manage. We had a pretty interesting uh, relationship. I had to throw her out of the building because she was breaking too many of the rules, doing stuff she shouldn't be doing. And then I brought her back into the building. And she's had this journey herself where she's come to Christ and made a recommitment. I was able to lead her uh, into a recommitment to Christ. And so we had this relationship. And I thought this relationship gave me the ability to speak really powerful truth into her life, something that I thought she needed to hear. And so we were sitting in the rec room one afternoon, and I laid it on her. I said, you know what? You really need to hear this. I told her something that was entirely true about her life, a blind spot that maybe she had been uh, unaware of. And I thought I was doing her a big favor. And the tears came from her. And I could see her breaking down before me. I could see her just not being lifted up by this truth, right? Not being not seeing the encouragement that that truth was trying to bring to her, but seeing her just get broken down. And it was at that time when the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, what are you doing there? You ever have God say that to you? What are you doing? It's something I'll tell you then. And immediately I realized what I'd done. I hadn't intended to do this. I wanted this woman to, to experience some sort of growth and to... And to see that God had more for her, and there was more opportunity for her to grow if she would just be aware of this truth in her life. Something that I had so clearly seen, and it was obviously the truth. But she had a past, and this was all tied into so many hurts of her past. And I spent the next two hours talking to her, just building back up, encouraging her, showing her the mercy of God, showing her the grace of God. And so after two hours, she was in a much better place. That the Spirit of God was preaching a sermon to me. And it was funny because I was working on a sermon that I was to preach at a church in West Guilford. And I'd been working trying to boil down this message and I was getting nowhere fast. And, and, and in those two hours, I did more work on that sermon that I was to bring to those people of God. And I'm bringing a portion of it to you today. Uh, let's just spend a moment of prayer before we get into God's Word. Hey, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the work, Jesus, you did on the cross for us that we can come to you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's living in us and is, and, is, and is always with us, God. As we get into your word today, God, I pray that I wouldn't be a stumbling block to any person in here hearing what you have to say. God, I just pray by my words that people would be encouraged here. They would see your truth. Uh, they would forgive me for my shortcomings, God. And that, God, we would get the message that you have for us here today. In Jesus' name. Are any of you like that? Like, have any of you found yourself in that position before? Where you dispense condemnation and judgment into someone's life in place of grace and mercy? You can think about it for a second. Because I thought about it, and it seems that sometimes we can get into that trap, right? We have the truth. We're like, the truth is going to set people free, right? We have this truth. But somehow it gets delivered to them, and all they hear is the condemnation of God and the judgment of God. And they miss out on that piece of the mercy and grace of God. Because there's not a lot of people that come to God through this condemnation of believers. 
looked at somebody like someone looked at me and prejudged whether or not they deserve the grace of God, whether or not you should share with them the grace of God. Or worse, have you looked at them and decided this message of salvation just wasn't for them? No, it's okay if you felt that way. I'm going to encourage you today. Because there was a group of guys who were really close to Jesus about 2,000 years ago who did the exact same thing. They, they thought they'd figured out who should come to Christ and who shouldn't. And we're going to go into the text today. Our, our uh, scripture today is coming from the book of Mark. And we studied this as a small group of the young people for eight weeks. We went through the whole gospel of Mark. And chapter 10 has some really awesome teaching in it. So when Pastor Paul asked me to preach uh, about Jesus, I was more than happy to do it, obviously. But it's just like, what do you preach about? I'm like, is it the Sermon on the Mount? Is it here? Is it there? Um, is it about any one of these names and what they mean? And as I read this Andy Stanley book, it said you should preach a one-point message. Has anyone ever heard that before, the preacher's? But Andy Stanley used to preach a one-point message, and it was a shame because I had a beautiful four-point message. <laughs> but so, Pastor Paul, if you're listening on the podcast, this is my attempt to bring that all into a one-point message. And my one point is this, and we're going to use our scripture to support this today. If you leave here with nothing else, there's nothing more important than letting people come to Jesus. Okay? There's nothing more important than letting people come to Jesus. And I want to use two specific two specific scriptures to talk about this. At the end of Mark chapter 10, we have this story. And in my Bible, my NAV Bible, it's, uh, it has that subheading which they've added in during the, um, during the time they put the Bible together in that format, the NIV. And this story is, is, is titled, Blind Bartimaeus Receives His Sight. And so we'll start in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says, Then they, being the disciples and Jesus, came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him. And told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So he called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Incredible miracle, right? The blind received sight. But I want to focus on what happens in verse, starting in verse 47. When he heard Jesus of Nazareth was coming, he shouted out, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the response of those people around Jesus, close to Jesus, in proximity to this, this blind man, it says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And it says he shouted out again. 
plaintiffs received was, a, was an actual healing of his, of his eyesight, right? He went from not being able to see to seeing. But today this actually works with our spiritual blindness, the, those that don't know the truth of the gospel through Jesus Christ. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians that those people have been blinded to the truth of the gospel. And so we are the ones that must let them see that. And Jesus tells us how that will happen. He says, we will be like light in the darkness, right? We're going to serve as these way markers to people who don't know Jesus so that they can come into contact with the light, so that they can get the mercy and grace from God. And as they get their spiritual eyesight, they can follow after Jesus. As Jesus says, go. And that's really our action word. Our, our action word is about going. As Leah said about sitting in her, where's she going here? <laughs> sitting in her bedroom. There's not a lot of those big Jesus God moments that are going to happen in our bedroom alone. But as we go, that's when we see God's working. And so, the idea of rebuking somebody who's calling to the mercy of God, doesn't that just seem heinous to you? And all he wanted was mercy. And the people said, be quiet. I want to talk about another story. If we rewind and, and we go into uh, just further back into the book of Mark. Mark 10, 13. So just about 30 verses earlier. And somebody in the Bible study we did with the youth said, so what passage of time was that? If it was 30 verses ago, was that like two days ago? Was that a week ago? You know, we were going through this story. And we just don't know, I have to say. And that's okay, right? We have to be totally cool with the fact that we just don't know what that passage of time was. But it was sometime around that time. And Jesus gives us this other teaching. And this is about the little children in Jesus. It says, starting in uh, verse 13, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now I believe these two instances in this one chapter of the Gospel of Mark are here for a specific reason. The common theme is that those people who were closest to Jesus, those ones that were following him and learning from his teaching, they thought they knew who should be able to come to Jesus and who shouldn't, right? That's what the text says. It says the disciples rebuked the people who were bringing the children. It wasn't the Pharisees, right? It wasn't the Pharisees saying, don't bring the children. It was the disciples. It was the ones that Jesus was pouring the most teaching into. And it says Jesus saw them rebuking the, the people bringing the children. And he was indignant. You know, look at that word when you get home. Indignant. He's full of this righteous anger. And Jesus corrected their wrong assumptions, right, on both occasions, both of these instances. He said, let the little children come. And he gives us this amazing teaching right there in just, in just two verses. 
says, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And so one of the points of that four-point ceremony, which I'm not going to get into, is, is just let that put a pin in that and say, how do little kids receive things? You know, if you've got the little grandchildren or if you've got children like me, like how do they receive things? They just have this innocence to them, right? They're not know-it-alls. Well, that happens a little later, right? But you see, they have complete reliance on their parents. Their world is only as big as their parents will show them, right? I don't know a lot of little children that check seven-day weather forecasts. It just... Is it, is it just me? My kids aren't checking the weather forecasts at all, right? If the sun is shining, they go out and play. Right? If it's raining, we stand at the window and mope for three hours. <laughs> Nothing's changed really, right? The little children had to come to Jesus, and that was cool. Jesus says, no, this is all right, let them come. Then the same way Jesus says later, let the blind beggar come to me. You see, Jesus was speaking to a generation of people that thought they had a holy living down path. They thought they, had, they had, thought they had a patent on it, actually, the Pharisees of that day. They thought they were this barometer of right and wrong, and they voiced this belief. And Jesus is teaching them, look, be like little children. It's okay to say, I don't know. Right? How many times do kids say that? I don't know. What's that? I don't know. What's that? What's that? It's okay not to know everything when it comes to our faith. Just know that your Father in Heaven knows you. And He loves you. And He wants to lead you and guide you. And that brings us back to our message, right? There's nothing more important than letting people come to Jesus. Let me ask you this. If not the blind beggars, which you don't see too many in Halliburton, right? Or in Minden, but not many in Halliburton. I live in Minden now, so I can make Minden jokes, all right? But if not the blind beggars, and if not the little children, who are you getting in the way of receiving God's mercy? Who are you telling to stand back, sit down, get away? Are you as blatant as the disciples were? Or do you just ignore people? Are you rebuking poor little innocent children of God like I did at the rec room that Friday afternoon? Who just want mercy and grace. If you're not doing that, let me ask you this. Are you trying to put requirements on those that are trying to come to Jesus? Are you saying the drunk may come, but he must quit drinking? The homosexual may come. They must turn away from that lifestyle right now, or at least in this set time period. Can you just stand back and just get up, just get out of the way, and just let God's mercy and grace hit that person? If you can't give it to them, can you just get out of the way? Can you let the Holy Spirit do its work to transform that person? Because there hasn't been a lot of people trying.
transformed just by one person just teaching them. It's, it, the transformation, the true transformation, comes from the Holy Spirit working on someone's heart from the inside out. Or are you so sure that the role God wants you to play in this life or in this person's life is to be the constant corrector? Are you sure that God wants you to hold that mirror up in front of this person so they can always see just how far away they are from being the person that you think God wants them to be? We talk about leading people to Christ, right? This idea that, you know, I led so-and-so to Christ or I led this person to Christ. What about just letting them come? Jesus said, come all who are weary and I will give you rest. The encouragement today is just think about what our churches would look like, our communities would look like, our country would look like, if we just let people come to Him and just get into close proximity of His grace and mercy. And how are they going to do that? They're going to do it through us. Right? We're the guys that Jesus, the guys and girls that Jesus has put here to show grace and mercy. Because Jesus isn't walking the countryside here teaching any longer. Doesn't that take a lot of the pressure off of us? You know, that we don't have to have this silver bullet scripture that we're just going to come up with, the one phrase that's going to lock down all of their doubt and their questions. And we can just feel, we can just feel assured that if they come to Jesus, He's going to meet them, right? And He's going to lead them. He's never going to leave them. I think this is us being children, right? Can we just sit there and be surrounded by people who have all these different issues going on in their lives and, and rather try to point out where they're falling short or what we think the solutions are, can we just be there with them? Can we laugh with them? Can we cry with them? Can we pray with them? As that relationship continues to grow, can we grow with them? Can we learn more and more about God's grace and His mercy as that person experiences that firsthand in their life? Because that's truly transformational. Pastor Paul is 11.15. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you for this truth that it's not one of those big one, two, three, four, five teachings of Jesus, but it kind of encompassed everything that He did in His ministry. It was about letting people come nothing more important than us letting people come to Jesus, not being a barrier, not being a stumbling block in people's way, not showing them some version of religion that we're practicing that we think everybody has to practice, God, but by sticking to the main points, God, that you sent your son to die for us. By his blood, we are all cleansed. It's the same cleansing for everybody, and that's good news. God, as we go about our lives... Show us new ways to show grace and mercy to those who don't know you, and God especially, in our body here at Lakeside. Let us just practice grace and mercy in dealing with one another. Let's not let convictions drag wedges between people, because God, you love us so much, and we're all part of this crazy body together. God, be with us as we go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.